This show is distributed by SoundCloud. Welcome. Welcome to episode 192 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Hey, Jason, and happy Father's Day. Thanks. How's your day going? Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, it's a beautiful day here in uh, Pasadena. It's, uh, it's just been unbelievable weather lately. It's just kind of like, it's it's warm, but it's not you know too hot. And then it's, uh, it, stays, it stays light until, you know, whatever, 8, 9, 8.30 or something. So it's really, really good. Well, we've we've just come back from the beach, so that was really nice. So you're moving uh, you're moving back to LA in uh, t- two weeks, roughly, right? Yeah, be back by the fourth of July. That's the yeah. that's the the target date. It's a target date. And you you told me you were you were kind of itching to get out of there because the uh, humidity was getting to you. Yeah, it it is pretty humid here. I have to say. See, that's one of the um, the drawbacks of the southeast. You know, I'm from Atlanta, which is pretty humid, and yeah. Um, yeah, people don't realize that the difference is between, say, Florida and California is the fact that there's no humidity in California and yeah. there's a ton down in, in Florida or, you know, in you know, the southeast in general. So you, you wonder, like, why, why are the houses so much less expensive in Florida than they are in California? And I think that's part of it. Yeah, you walk outside and you've started sweating, you know, whereas in California, you never have that issue. Yeah, well, unless it's like in August when it gets to be like 100 degrees or something. But yeah, so because California is a desert, right? Yeah. And uh, and uh, and uh, the southeast, particularly Florida and, and certain parts of uh, of uh, Georgia, are are, sw- are swamp basically. You know, it's funny. You'd think that we would have evolved to enjoy that more because basically humidity creates a, a richer biodiversity. You know. Hmm. So it's weird. That, yeah, it's weird that humans don't enjoy that. Although I know I don't enjoy it, especially when I'm trying to fall asleep at night and you're just sitting there, lying there in bed, going, "Oh, I can't." Yeah. You feel like you don't want to move because, <clears throat> yeah. So, well, it'll be cool when you get back. We'll actually have to uh, grab lunch every once in a while. Well, no, uh, will that ever happen? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, well, no, we should. We totally so. Should. One of the reasons I wanted to move the podcast a little earlier today is um, I'm going to be hanging out with uh, Rob Walling a little later today. Oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah, it, was, it was really funny. So I, I got a text message um, a couple days ago. Maybe it was Friday or something. And it came from a 626 number, which is local to me. Yeah. It's my area code. And it was like, hey, I'm going to be in Pasadena with the kids. You want to maybe get together with lunch, for lunch or something? And it was one. Of, it was a number. It didn't have a. It didn't bring up like a name from my address book. So I was like, "Who is this?" You know. And I was trying to. I was kind of going through my head. The numbers, like who I thought it might be able to might be. It was one of those things that I just. Then I put the phone down and I forgot to sort of try and figure it out. Like I would, you know, go in Gmail and search or something. Yeah. And so I never got back about it. And then finally, I just was just kind of going through it, and I sent an email, or I responded in text messages, and I said, I'm sorry, I don't know who this is. And it was like, oh, it's it's Rob Walling. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. I mean, I, I thought it was just, a, you know, one of my buddies from around the area, so it wasn't a big deal. Obviously, I would have switched up my plans to go hang out with him. So, as it happens, I, um, 
Oh, and for I guess for our listeners and people who don't know, Rob Walling is the uh, co-host of Startups for the Rest of Us, and he, along with uh, Mike Tabor, run the Micropreneur Academy and put on MicroConf and you know all that kind of stuff. So, and so uh, was he sending it from Skype or something like that? Is that the reason why I had the weird number? Actually, well, actually, I think it was from his wife's phone because oh. when I came back, I got an I got a voicemail. A voice message was was you know said this is the you know the phone of sherry walling or something so but even so i don't have rob in my phone yeah i only have like 15 numbers in there it's not like it has all the two or three hundred you know contacts from gmail so um so anyway as it as it turns out we we, he he called me back this morning and we're going to uh middle afternoon he's going to bring they're going to they're down at the beach now but they're going to bring their kids up and we're going to go hang out at a park for couple hours in the afternoon let the kids run around and then they're going to come over and we're going to cook hamburger grill hamburgers out and let the kids swim in the pool and oh that's awesome that's yeah, awesome yeah. i hope you have a good time that's but that's totally fitting for father's day yeah well you know <laughs> see I, I switched up the plans on sandy i i was talking to him on the phone i said hold on a second let me go just double check things with sandy and i'm like hey what do you think if rob and sherry came over and you know at any time you switch plans up on your wife yeah <laughs> it's dicey <laughs> yeah. she's, especially for sandy she's very much she plans everything and she's everything is set she is optimized so when you come up and you're just like hey we're just gonna throw things out the window and do something different that tends to you know not work so well for her <laughs> so she wasn't so impressed or she or she was okay she, she was actually fine with it it turns out it really wasn't a big deal um Great. and uh yeah. So, and plus, like, since it's Father's Day, I get a little, I kind of get a get out of jail free card, so I can do stuff like that on Father's oh, Day. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> There's like two days where you could just kind of do whatever you want, which is Father's Day and your birthday, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, anyway, that's that's going to be a lot of fun. Rob is a really cool guy. So, um, yeah. So this week I uh, had a lot of fun with Plugio. Um, we actually kind of released it for real to the. The tiny grab emailing list with who has um, three hundred thousand subscribers on it. Wow, that's a lot of subscribers. It, that is a lot of subscribers. That's so, like that's like an entire city. It's like <laughs> the size of like Tampa Bay or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> wait, wait till you hear how many that turned into in terms of actual signups uh, for Plugio. Um, but uh, I mean, Plugio did well, you know, comparative to what it. Uh, its existing user base, but comparative to 300,000, eh, maybe not so great, but you know, pretty much what you'd expect. Um, so we, we pushed that out um, on Thursday. We did a test, we did a test on Wednesday where we split test four different subject titles and we sent, we sent those out to uh, like, I think it was a thousand people on the list each. And one of them was something, we did some research, like what were the best type, types of titles and uh, MailChimp had a page they basically said they had like, I don't know, 20 different titles. And one that went really well is uh, invitation from your company name or something, or your company name invites you somewhere or something like that. That was something that did really well. And something that did badly is the typical kind of stuff that you might imagine, like 50% off X, those do really badly. So we chose, we chose the, the, uh, an invitation from Tiny Grab um, was, was one. And then we did another thing like, I don't know, free this, uh, free Twitter management account system or something like that. Anyway, this invitation from Tiny Grab one worked the best, an invitation from Tiny Grab. Okay. And uh, just more people opened it, more people clicked the contents of it. It was the same contents in all the emails. So we went with that. 
Well, hold on. When you say more, how much more? Twice as much? Five times as much? I think it was. I think there was there was another one. I, I can't remember the title. It was quite close to it, but it wasn't as good in terms of click through rates and opening rates. It was something like I think it was like one point seven percent versus one point five percent or something like that for the top two. What were your worst performing ones? Like? They were just real. They were just real bad, like half a percent or something. Okay, so for the, so for the difference between the best and the worst was about three x three three times. Yeah, bad. it was a big deal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's significant. Yeah. So imagine if you sent that out to three hundred thousand. You know, the one that if you didn't do if you didn't split test what you'd originally sent, and then you sent it out to three hundred thousand, that would be just silly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because you you could be seriously you know reducing. Um, the amount of people who even open it in the first place. Yeah, you don't want to screw that opportunity up. So, okay, so 1.7% of the people signed I, up? No, 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 just just opened it, something. Uh, no, uh, uh, sorry, clicked on it. I think I think what it was, I think it's, see, the problem is I don't have the, the data to pan now that, now that I'm talking it through with you. I think it was something like the amount of people who opened it was something like 55%. So 50, 50-ish percent opened it. So 150,000 ish yeah, people yeah. opened and 1.7% clicked on the N- link and came to the Plugio site? No, it was more like 1.5% ended up signing up from the entire uh, from the entire list 300,000. And so 1.5% of 3,000 is roughly 5,000 I'd say, right? Yeah, we it, it looks like let's see 2,300 3,300 4,200 4,000 Four and a half thousand, maybe four thousand six hundred so far. Okay. In one, two, three, four days. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. Okay. It's not bad. Okay, so and all those are free accounts so far. They're all free accounts, but let me tell you a little, something that happened. So I I use Elastic Email. Um, no, yeah, Elastic Email as my as you know SendGrid. How we use SendGrid for any of you? Right. Wait, didn't you used to use Mailgun? No, Mailgun I use for um, Startup Guild. Okay, all right. Because why Mail- do you use? Why do you? Why do you? Why don't you use them for Plugio? Because I think they're like sixty bucks a month, even for sending barely anything. Whereas um, Elastic Email just charge you like zero 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 one cent per email you send out, right from the word go. So okay. basically, the bill is very very cheap with Elastic Email. Okay, and they've got pretty good. Um, you know, they've got a pretty good system, pretty good uh, reputa- reputation monitoring, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, on the live plugio.com, the one that runs, that's now basically the cron server. So, so on, on the main cloud, all of the other servers are plug.io and there it, that's now a whole load balance system. And that's separate to what I've got running the cron job, which is basically the old plugio server. Now, what I had done was I had the, my original elastic email API key on that server running all the cron on script so sending mm-hmm. out the emails no problem no problem no problem on the other ones what i didn't realize was that somehow the test api key had ended up in production uh, on plug.io right so which has an a, a sending limit of 100 emails a day <laughs> <laughs> so right so uh, so they they were using um they were using sendgrid to send out to the 300,000 so they sent out now whenever well, you, you know with actually I made I made the same mistake on Anyfoo when we were we had our webmaster checks yeah account um we were first setting that up we had our test key right. in our config file yeah. and we couldn't figure out why the hell 
stuff wasn't going through, I'd be like, I'm making the API call. I see it in the log. They're like, we don't see any payments here. And I'm like, well, what, you know, what the hell's going on? It's so easy to make that yes, mistake It's a very easy mistake know. to make, yeah. And, but what happened in this scenario is everything was working perfectly, right? So, so the, mm-hmm. the, point, the point where it breaks down is when someone comes along and they get their registration email, right? So right. it's all working. Registration emails are going out fine, no problem. Then all of a sudden we switch on the spigot now 300,000 people are coming. <laughs> wow. and, it, and it takes, you know, it takes like a minute before those people are, are there and like emails are, are flooding into support. I didn't get my registration link. I didn't get my registration link. What's the deal? What's the deal? And I'm like, what on earth could have happened here? What could have happened here? And it's like, it, it took me, I guess, half an hour to figure out, to, to kind of break it down. I kind of traced the code bit by bit by bit by bit. Like, what, what's broken? What did I just break? What did I just break? And um, it was nothing was broken. It was just the wrong freaking key. Mm. So that so that basically, were, how many hours of emails did you have to send to get people to answer all the support requests? Not uh, not not too bad. Not too bad. Not too okay. bad. It, it was just like half an hour or something. Okay, that's too bad. So cool, cool, cool. So um, so so making progress then. Making progress. Uh, four and a half thousand new signups. So obviously that you know that. I don't know what that's going to convert to in terms of people logging in to use Plugio free on a daily basis. Right. But I have this, this question I wanted to ask you and also wanted to ask the listeners, which is about Plugio plans and pricing. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, have we done too much about Plugio already or would you be able no, to talk about that? All right. So this, there's this thing in my mind about, you know, the whole disruption theory um, and how you kind of, uh, go in at a cheaper price, and then that's how you can kind of gain market share through worse, less, worse, less expensive, and, all, and, and but always getting better. Right, sort of the the basic tenets of it, right? Yeah. So what? So one of the things that I just can't wrap my head around is twi- Twitter accounts is like a like a in my mind a magic lever in one sense, but then when I talk to other people, it doesn't seem like a magic magic lever. So. What do you mean by that? Well, so when, so for example, talk, when we, uh, not this recent microconf, but the microconf before, when we spoke to Ramit Seti uh, and um, Hittenshah, and basically we were talking about, I, I, I had the plans and pricing set so that it went from like five Twitter accounts to 10 to 15 to 20 mm-hmm. as like a magic lever. And they were saying, well, <clears throat> that's kind of doesn't make sense because it's like an agency who would have 20 Twitter accounts. Yeah, it's, it's a whole different model than, than the whole power user um, approach where you, where you would scale based, you scale on about 12 followers as opposed to the amount of accounts because somebody who has 50,000 followers versus 5,000 is still one account even though it's, it's providing a lot more value to the person who has 50,000 followers. But for, but for example, Hootsuite, their free account, you, get, you basically get five Twitter accounts and then for their first paid account, which is $9.99 a month, $9.99 a month, you get unlimited Twitter accounts. Okay. Okay. Well, what do you think about that? Run those numbers by me one more time. $9 for how much? So for, for free, you, get, you can have up to five social profiles. Okay. And then once you, once you pay nine bucks, you know, 10 bucks a month, you can have unlimited social profiles. Well, what do they have? Like, didn't you tell me last week or something that they charge like a thousand dollars a month for some plan? Well, so they have. I think 
I think basically, if if I understand correctly, it goes zero, you know, free, mm-hmm. which you can have five Twitter accounts, or let's I'll say Twitter accounts, but really it's social profiles, but it's the same thing anyway. So free, you get five social profiles for te- for ten bucks, you get unlimited social profiles, and then for I think it's fifteen hundred entry level, you get the same, but it, like a whole team can manage it. I think that with the with the ten buck a month one. Uh, three people can manage that account. So, you know, they have to, like this moderation Oops. system. They have, oh, like, so mo- separate logins and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, separate logins. And you can kind of moderate, you can you can push tweets into some kind of moderation area and then someone approves them. I see, right, and, okay. And then the enterprise one is basically where they have that system, but it's it's for big, for larger companies. So larger companies can have like 30 marketing executives managing the same Twitter account. Well, you know, I mean, not like I'm an expert on their business, but $10 for unlimited seems kind of, doesn't seem to make much sense. Unless there's something I'm missing, it seems like you'd want to cap that at something like 10 accounts or 20 accounts at the very least. But I don't know. But once you're getting up to like more than a few accounts, it seems like once you're beyond, say, three accounts, you're talking about a business. And once you get beyond maybe five, you're probably talking about an agency or something. I mean, I don't, I don't, which should be paying money. So I don't, I don't understand it. But what I'm thinking is what I've realized is I think that Plugio essentially is in competition with Hootsuite. Mm -hmm. I think that is really the the, the competition. I've kind of tried to deny it, but I think really that is it. So then people are like comparing these two together and they're saying, Hmm, okay, well with, with free, I, I can get five. And then with 10 bucks, I can get unlimited and the way the Plugio is set up at the moment, it's like 30 bucks to get five, you know, 19. Like, I'm just wondering, is, am I just even completely pricing myself out of the market? By not, by first of all, I, I don't even have a, the base price plan of $10 anymore. Mm. Like, because we're trying, to, we're trying to create like a higher value perception to the product. So we're saying our lowest price point is 1995. Right. So 1995 versus nine versus 9.95 on on Hootsuite is that hurting us and also strictly limiting the twitter accounts rather than just saying okay this is an unli- this is just fully unlimited for all paid plans well okay i mean yeah i mean it's it's definitely something to consider i mean i, I what you might want to do is when people don't convert or uh, who, 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 let's say that they have some kind of, uh, you, cause you've had trial versions, you have trial versions for your paid stuff, right? Or not? Uh, no, no. You've got six, well, 60 day money back guarantee. Yeah. I mean, what you could do is send, do a survey and, and when, if they don't, if they stop using or they don't use plug you can ask them why. And, right. and one of the things is, did you use another product? And if so, why? See if you can follow up with people, you know, I mean, I think you actually, because you, you your perception of who you're in competition with may be, you said may be incorrect. And the only way you can know who you're really in competition with is asking who the customers are comparing you to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, they may have maybe comparing you to two or three other things that you're un- completely unaware of. And, and then you have to look at their pricing structure and their feature offering for each of those price levels. So I don't know. I think, I think one way or another, you need to get in touch with um, customers who you could talk to customers who did choose the Plugio model, the, 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 the paid, a paid uh, account um, and you need to somehow find ex Plugio users who went with Hootsuite and uh, ask them why. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you, you say that and you're very, that's a very valid point and put that's partly why I'm bringing this up 
because since we launched this, like there was a lot of chatter and a lot of people who came in were basically comparing it to Hootsuite. So that was, you know, there was a lot of tweets about that. Well, why were you, why did you think you were not in competition with Hootsuite? <sighs> I don't know, because I thought that Plugio was more of a, a cl- uh, like more in, in some senses, more in competition with TweetDeck as a client, maybe as a Twitter, as a, just a way of using Twitter, maybe in competition with Twitter.com. Okay. You know? Hmm. I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, it's, it's that, it's that age old problem of like, tr- of like, you have to somehow separate how you, what you think about your product and versus what the, what the rest of the world thinks about it. Cause they're two different things. Um, yeah. I don't know. So yeah, I, right, sounds well, like you need to, it sounds like you need to do some customer uh, research and, and mostly just, I think you just need to just come out and contact people and talk to see if you can find out. I mean, yeah. it'd be great if you had, if you had a trial where people were either opting in or out or, you know, that would be the perfect type of person. That would be the perfect opportunity to say, okay, we see that you've decided not to sign up or discontinue your, you know, or not, or, or discontinue if it was like some sort of like, you know, we only start charging you two months later, like I think you used no, to you, do. You, you actually bring up a good point because because I, I moved away from that because what happens is with the 60-day money-back guarantee, a lot a lot less people do the trial, but a lot more people end up paying. So you kind you make more money. And right. very few people ask for, for money back. But you're right. Because of not having that cutoff point, you don't have that opportunity to ask people, why didn't you go? Why didn't you keep going with that? That's a good point. I hadn't thought yeah. of that. Yeah, I mean, I guess if, 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 if you think that understanding how to position your, your product is important, is, if, if, you, if you put a high value on that, then it might be worth reintroducing that approach for a while so that you can get that information and really get in touch with who, you know, how you should be pricing it and how you should be stratifying your features and things. Mm-hmm. So, All right, I don't know. Otherwise, I'd find it hard to figure out who... Who do you ask and, and when? Because if people are free trial, you don't know if they were ever really serious. Because some people just sign a free trial and then they never really log in, right? Yeah. And you could be like, well, why didn't you use us? And they're just like, I, you know, I don't really care about Twitter <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't use it. I just signed up because I got an email or something. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just not the right piece. And you spend a lot of time, waste a lot of time. And l- unless I'm missing something, I think the, you, need, you need some sort of decision point where you can um, start a, conversation with the person and ask them well no because because i do want like i'm moving fully freemium like i want free users i want hundreds of thousands of free users okay like that i it's not a free trial it's the free plan got it okay so i don't know i mean i I mean but you can have the free plan but you could also do like the um the the approach of you know instead of the money back guarantee you do like the was it Michael Slowinski uh, um, did no, with? Uh, yeah, no, he he's the one who does the sixty day money back guarantee. That's where I got it from. Yeah, so I don't know. All right, yeah. well, so anyway, that's enough about that. But uh, yep, things things are moving forward. Things are going good, and uh, working on it pretty hardcore. Doing a lot of analysis and thought about Plugio and the whole business model. And by the time I come out of the other side of this, if we ever make any money. <laughs> I'm really going to understand this business, <laughs> especially subscription businesses, you know? So I think that'll be a, a, a good position to be in. Yeah. Well, you know, the one of the definition of an expert is somebody who's made every possible mistake in, in a certain field. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what works is by, by uh, process of elimination. I've done everything that doesn't work. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of, uh, 
you know, my, the, the soccer team I ran for 10 years, you know, I, I'd get some new, someone would come on the team, some new player. And, and after a few weeks, they'd be like, Hey, you know what we should do? We should do this or we should do that. They'd have all these ideas, which on the surface sound like good ideas. But after so many years of running the team and trying everything, like I pretty much figured out within our constraints and what we were doing, I, I knew what was going to work. Yeah. What was I don't because I tried everything else, and it was just so funny. I just kind of sit there with half a smile, going, "Uh huh, uh huh, no, nah, not going to work." <laughs> and I could tell you why. It wasn't like I had to debate it with them and be like, "Well, I don't." It's like I can tell you exactly why that doesn't work because I've tried it two different or three different times in two different ways or whatever. It's not going to work, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's and you know. So I became sort of I was an expert at doing what I was doing because I tried every freaking thing I could think of to, to do stuff. And, uh, you pretty much just, you just settle in on the, the few things that actually work. Yeah. You know? um, so that's, that's funny. <laughs> um, well, I guess I'll do a little update on any foo. So, um, yeah, I guess a couple things to talk about. Um, so one, I, I redid all the, the entire e- email system, mm-hmm. which was a real, uh, kind of a pain. Cause it was one of those things where it was like, it was sort of screwed up, but not really screwed up. So you're kind of don't really want to do it, but then you know you got to do it because you know it was screwed up enough. So I I moved us over to the new SendGrid email library from yeah. there was something like Swift Email. I think their system is sort of built on it, but they they configured it and they did it differently, so it works a little better with their system. And one of the reasons we had to do that was to send uh, invoices invoice pdfs as attachments mm-hmm. and but then we have a lot of emails that were not were in text format not html format so we had kind of a weird sometimes that got garbled so i got all that moved over so that it uses html templates for every email and everything um i think i need to just run a couple more tests and i'm going to commit commit all that and and deploy it and does it work much better now uh it seems to i mean it seems to work fine i mean it just it's just it's it's sort of for the most part it's just all html as opposed to for where's text Mm-hmm. And it just sort of works. It's all clean and simple. So then, then you can just go in and edit the, the, the template really easily. So the other thing that was really interesting, and I don't know if you could tell Simo, did you, you may have read it. Um, it was from one of the guys at Balanced. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, so Balanced, the, the payment system, the, the, you've uh, spoken to them on the phone, right? I did. I had like a 45-minute conversation. Okay, tell me. Okay, so with, I think I pronounced his name with, it's Jero, Jero. Yeah. Um, so Balanced is another, it's a YC company. They went through last year. Yeah. And um, I mean, I don't, I don't know the whole history of the company. And in fact, I think I'm going to try and get uh, the two founders on for an interview to talk okay. about their, their stuff. But Balanced is sort of the solution we were looking for from the very beginning. Um, you know, where we had to, we have this, so for a marketplace, as we've discussed in the show a number of times, so I won't go in detail on it, but you have two sides of the two sides. You have to collect payment, you know, credit cards, mm-hmm. generally credit card payments. We should use Stripe or, you know, PayPal, you know, pro or, or whatever. I mean, we use Stripe because it's so well done. And then you have to figure out how to pay the experts. Like, okay, we collected money from the client. How do we get money to the experts? Yeah. And that was a big pain in the butt for us. Um, and we ended up going with a company called webmaster checks you know, and it was pretty well done because um, they had an API that we could use and um, we can send money via ACH direct deposit uh, check or, we can, or wire. 
and wired is really kind of expensive and you probably don't want to do it. So really it comes down to, you know, either mailing a check or doing ACH. Um, there were a couple limitations in it for us. There was one that um, the ACH only works in the U.S. Um, so that means anybody, if you're in Canada or England or France or Australia or wherever, um, it's going to be a check, which means we have to wait like eight days for the money to clear from Stripe to get into our account. Mm-hmm. And then we have to make a couple days of, of the transaction to go through for the money to be transferred from our Wells Fargo account to our Webmaster Checks account, and then for the check to be mailed however long it takes. So you're thinking probably two to three weeks for okay. an expert in Canada. To yeah, get paid. that's a pain, yeah. I mean, it's not terrible, but it's, it's probably, it's kind of like, if you do consulting work, it's kind of typical. You get paid, you know, you usually have 30-day terms or something. Yeah, but it's just, a, it's annoying, especially when you, you think that in this day and age, that kind of stuff could happen faster. Exactly. Um, but it works. It's, 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 it's a workable solution and it's, it's, it's fine. And when people understand that that's, that that's how long it'll take, and I don't think we're going to have a big, deal, a big issue with it. But balance what they do is they try and solve this whole problem. They're a marketplace solution. Okay. And so when you collect the money, the, it will be ACH'd into the experts' accounts like one day late, one to two days later. Mm. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. <laughs> right. So they, they, they initially were charging more, like 3.5% plus like 50 cents. But they're going to go and they're going to be the same amount of Stripe, I think, which is 2.9% plus 30 cents. Okay. And then a dollar per AC for the ACH. So that's it. So less expensive than we're paying now. And that's no volume discount, which will have volume discount. Um, Now, right now, they only have the U.S. for ACH. So, but they're pushing to go global and and, and set that up. It's just a, it's just sort of a legal quagmire to do the whole, the ACH. Yeah, I can believe it. System in all these different countries. And, um, you know, because I was really pushing. I said, you know, really, that's going to be the the killer for us is when we can do that. I mean, obviously, getting one day, getting the money in like one or two days later is fantastic. But if we can do that for true, at least at least some of the major first world countries where a lot of our experts are likely to reside. So you're saying basically we can capture money from the client, and then a day later they can have the money. That's right. Oh, that's amazing. It's yeah. really amazing. And we don't have to do any of the moving money from Wells Fargo. Because right, the way, way it works now is eight days after the transaction goes through, we run a cron, or we run a cron script every day. And when, when eight days have passed, it'll assume the money's been moved in from Stripe. And then it will send, it'll tally up all the experts that need to get paid on that day. And it'll send an email to us and, and it'll say, System Alert, well, you have $700 need to be moved to Webmaster. Yeah. And so that means I go because I have the little fob thing that has like the little security ID that gets generated and I go and I log into Wells Fargo, type that in, you know, and it's, it's slightly annoying, but it's only like a three or four minute process where I go through and I move the money in. But that doesn't even have to happen anymore. But how can they do it in a day if Stripe have got this seven day thing? So what they've done is, you know, I, 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 and really what we should do is just have them on the show. And then we can, and then have them really explain how it works. So I don't, I, because I'm probably going to get this wrong, but they they underwrite the experts themselves, sort of as like micro businesses or something. So it's it's they sort underwrite of, our experts. Yeah, that's what they called it. Now I, I'm not really sure quite what that means, but essentially they're verifying the experts themselves because I guess there's this big um, there's a sort of risk that banks consider when they don't know who's getting paid. So like Stripe, we get paid, but actually we're paying 
through to the clients. But if or, they're going to, how are they going to verify the experts? So that we're going to have to pass a lot of informa- expert information over to them. I think it was only one, other than the name, I think the only thing was like their birth date was like the only other piece of information that we would have to capture to verify them. But I mean, how could they verify someone off a name and a birthday? I, I don't know. <laughs> information that we don't already, well, we already connect a, a few a few different yeah. things. Yeah. So it's like one other piece of very basic information. And then maybe it was their, you know, where they were born or the. Do they deal with the, um, all the tax stuff as well? Will they do the they do the yeah, they do the 1099 stuff too. And so, so... So they must have to get the experts address, otherwise they couldn't email, mail it to them. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's true. But I mean, we've already collected anyway, so it's, it's okay. for us, it's not an issue. So what we could do is we can use balanced... Oh, and by the way, balanced, the way the money is, the way the money works, is that just like we, we want to do those adaptive payments, those split payments that pay, PayPal had... Yeah. Per, that the fee- there was one feature of PayPal Adaptive Payments, which was cool. They provided split payments so that if we have a surcharge or service fee, the service fee goes to us and the rest of the money goes straight to the expert. It never even hits our account. And that's how Balance does it. So we, it's not like we get paid and then we... So it simplifies our tax accounting. That's right. It limits the amount that we, pay, it, we have to pay in our LLC fee because in California, our taxes are based on our gross revenue, not on our profit. Oh wow, this this is amazing. It seems like the dream solution. Right. And so um and it further limits I think our liability because it's really it's not like you know they're doing business with any food. It's like we're a facilitator. We're a marketplace. You're actually doing business with the expert. We're you know, we're just making it easy. Wow. So, I think the I think the plan should be um that we you that we switch off a of stripe to balanced and then if um the expert is not the U.S., um, then we do a check and then, until they have, which we have to do anyway. Can balance send checks? No, they don't do that. But we, Okay, so we, so we then pass to Webmaster checks under that scenario. That's right. You're not okay. a U.S. citizen, then you get a check. Um, or otherwise, if in the U.S., you use, you know, we go through balanced and you get, the, you get your money a day later. And like Canada can't be that far down the road for balanced, right? So no, they're working really hard on it. I think Canada and you know how these companies are, they don't want to like give you a date or anything, but they, yeah. they give you a wink and they're like, it's coming soon. Don't worry. <laughs> I, think, I think Canada and in England are a couple of the two that are really near. So, um, and uh, so I, I, I think, I think it's, I think that was probably what we, we want to do. And, and is that their primary kind of, thing they just want to be the, to build marketplaces yes that's right because i you know we, we were discussing that and i and i said well how, i said you guys were funded by yc you know how does paul graham feel about the fact that you guys are you guys competing with stripe and he's like well we are in rare instances like we're a case where we might switch off a of stripe to balanced he's but the but stripes real the real bread and butter are our merchants trying to just sell you know yeah. trying, Stuff online one way or another, right? People are selling to online. It's not a marketplace. Balanced is a marketplace solution. It's a peer-to-peer marketplace type of solution, and they are optimized to do that, and they're going to do it incredibly well. And that's what we need. That's what we want. So Yeah, that's the beauty of specialization. I really like, I mean, their websites are great. Their numbers are really good. I really enjoyed talking to Jero. He was um, extremely helpful and, uh, you know... um, how did yeah, we not so, hear about them before? It just seems crazy. Like we were, so, we were totally looking for this. I mean, we're speaking to like fifteen hundred people every show. 
Well, I said that. I my email back to him. I said, "Sounds awesome. Where the hell were you guys six months ago?" Yeah. <laughs> agonizing over this, and he's like, "Yeah, we you know we weren't live yet. We were still just building stuff." And I'm like, "Well, this sounds fantastic." So, is okay, that well, yeah, they've come at just the right time, really, because we're not too far down the road where it would be such a big pain to to extract everyone and, and move them to a different system. I mean, if we if we had like two thousand people on any food, it would be much harder to make this decision. Yeah, because what happens, the, the only thing that is going to be slightly annoying is any, any clients that have already um, made a, 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 have done a transaction, yeah. their, their credit card is on, is being held at, um, their credit card number is um, on the Stripe server. Well, Stripe, you can export credit cards from Stripe. Actually, they said that he balanced it. He can't. That he actually, he said normally the way it works is there's sort of an open format where you can support the exporting of numbers using tokens. But he says Stripe actually doesn't do that. He's like, if it was Braintree, you could, but he says Stripe doesn't do that. Oh, huh, I thought Stripe did. Oh, he okay. said, if using Braintree, we could, we could just move the token, but he's like, not with uh, Stripe. Unless it's changed, you know, maybe, maybe who knows? I mean, stuff, this stuff changed rapidly. Maybe he's, maybe, you know, that's the last month that's changed or something. But so, you know, it's not like we have that many clients, and most of the clients are people who 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 we know or we've had a lot of contact with and really happy with any food, so they're not going to like <laughs> make a big uh, deal of it if they have to enter their credit card one more time. If we say we're moving payment uh, systems, could you please just enter your enter your credit card? Yeah, you know, it's not. It says there's a there's a there's an FAQ here on Stripe.com. Um, the question is, can I transfer all my card numbers from Authorized Net Braintree paper? It depends. Some. Oh, no, no, sorry. That was the wrong thing. Yeah, no, at the end of that, it says, we allow you to export your card numbers from Stripe at any time. All right, well, I'll, you know, I will, I'll, um, I can email um, uh, Jero about that and then ask him. Yeah, so, sure. Yeah, anyway, I think that's, uh, I think that's something we should do. Uh, before. I think that's the right solution for us. I think ultimately it's just going to make things less expensive in terms of taxes. It's going to make it the actual the amount of our margins a little better because we're not going to have to pay as much in many fees to webmaster checks and and and, and best of all uh, experts are going to get the money lickety split They're yeah that's it. fantastic okay great great i'm so glad that we got that email and thanks a lot for following that up that's awesome. yeah well it's, it's 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 an expert i mean it's it's, it's going to be fantastic if you work with someone and then like the next day you get an email like hey you got 300 bucks in your account you're like <laughs> sweet right i mean it just feels great yeah. i mean I, I know that when i've i've worked with um clients and there's one client that I um that I had uh that I worked with a little bit in the fall who um was I built like I built him like a like an automated trading system mm-hmm. and um and uh I kind of I I guess I kind of underbid it and I and I was I was just adding a lot of extra stuff trying to make it really good and a really really cool system and he appreciated it. so he every time we would work together he would and every time but a number of times he would just like you know, throw two or three hundred extra dollars into PayPal and hit me up with PayPal, and I get a notification like, "Well, I was like, hey, you know, you know, you just got Ravi just paid you three hundred dollars and I'm like, awesome. <laughs> like, it just you know, it's one thing to get a check like three, a month later and and you have some extra money. That's really cool. But just getting that little extra cash or hit, just the feeling getting paid so quickly, it just has this really positive, um, yeah, rough, uh, feeling a, a positive impact. So. So we have um, some shout-outs and things like that. To do it. Shout them out. So we have a shout-out for Ben Matthews. Um, actually, he's an executive producer of this show. Oh, wow. He's, he's donated 50 bucks to us. 
Um, so, wow. Thank you very much, Ben. That's awesome. 50 bucks donation to texting. That's going to buy me and Jason something at some stage. Um, and he said, uh, he said, he, I asked him, he didn't actually ask for a, a, a shout out or any mention, but I said, well, wow, 50 bucks. <laughs> That's very kind of you. Would you like us to mention anything? So he sent an email and said, um, perhaps, <clears throat> perhaps if you guys could mention, no, perhaps if you guys could mention that I'm currently working with a YC Combinator startup in the current batch, which I've flown over from London to help out on design, UX and UI, uh, customer development leading up to demo day. And he's, he goes on to say, I'm having a ton of fun doing that. Um, I think he's from England um, originally, but he's just, he's just over here working with y, y Combinator right now. Um, he's saying the intensity and focus of living and working with other hackers is something that he would love to do, do again. So if any texting listeners needs or knows um, of someone who needs a hand with design UX UI from someone who's also a coder, uh, as long as they can cover basic freelance rates, flights and travel and have a, have a couch, he'd love to uh, come and help. Um, and you can email him at ben at benmatthews.net. Okay. I'm, he said also mentioned his website, which is Ben Reyes, Ben, B-E-N-R-E-Y-E-S.com. Yeah. So I'm confused because I, I, I got, you forwarded this email to me and it says from Ben Reyes. And then his email is benmatthew.net. And then in the subject, it says donation from Ben Reyes. And then it's Ben at benmatthew.net. So what, I, I thought his name, I thought it was Ben Reyes. Very good point. I don't, I don't how, that's weird, isn't it? So I guess maybe he, there's been a name change happening at some point and, and we're probably, we're probably not supposed to mention the other email address, but anyway. Well, it's, it says, and I went to his website, it says Ben Reyes is a 20 year old guy from London, England. <laughs> so this, so huh. I, let's just go with Ben Reyes. Okay. Fair enough. Cause I know I've communicated with him before. He's, he's emailed us before and we've, you know, he's, he's, you know, occasionally we have like, you know, there's a few dozen uh, texting listeners who we get emails from like every, you know, once every few months who just have like kind of a light contact with or occasional contact with. And, and Ben is definitely someone I've communicated well, with. Well, I'll before. put it to you this way. His email, I'm looking in, in Gmail and our uh, correspondence. His email is definitely ben at benmatthew.net. <laughs> and that's spelled B, uh, B-E-N for Ben at B-E-N-M-A-T-T-H-E-W.net. So if you're interested in, in a good UI UX designer, um, <laughs> Send an email okay. to that. Well, here's my message. Here's my uh, message to Ben. Ben, <laughs> thank you so much for the fifty dollars $50 donation. And you're creating a lot of confusion in here. Yeah. <laughs> ben, Matthew, you you, ben you need Reyes. to have like one name, okay? <laughs> Settle on something. Pick a name. Any name will do. Just pick a name. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's funny. So that's have funny. you you gotta tally up the donations. First of all, because they're going to your personal bank account. I don't even know. Oh my! It must be like a thousand bucks at this stage that I owe you, and, and I, I, I think I've spent it. Like because I, I'm totally no, not taking I, I any. I know note. you have, and you owe you. So you owe me at least some. Ex- I'm gonna have to go through and look at. I all am the, not taking uh, any note of it whatsoever. I'm just kind of using it as as I'm short of cash. I'm pulling it out of PayPal, just using it for whatever I need. So I yeah, I'm, I'm I totally owe you. And um, well, here's the th- here's the thing: we we have to pay an LLC fee 
that's due. It's going to be like 800 bucks or whatever, the California LLC for Anyfu. And so we're each going to need to pay half for that. So you need to, you know, forward me some money. And so and then we actually have, so I can actually afford to pay for You the are going to hit me with a really big chunk of money, aren't you? You're going to make me like send you a thousand or something well, like that. Well, that's why I want, that's why I keep asking you to do this because eventually it's going to get to so much. I'm going to be like, okay, you owe me $2,000 for the last three years. You'll be like, well, okay, can I have like a payment plan or something? <laughs> okay. <laughs> It'll put our friendship on layaway. <laughs> God, I'm behind with the tax man and behind with Jason. You're my new landlord. Yeah, well. All right, so let's, uh, you ready to move on to something else? Yeah, go for it. So um, I got a lot of stuff that has to do with learning for various reasons. Oh, I can't imagine why. Could I it know. possibly be because of that new um, <clears throat> kids learning center that you're interested in starting yeah. and founding? No, no. Uh, yeah, yes and no. Actually, there's other stuff. Um, so there was a Wired article that came out about a, um, a, an iPhone Android app called Dragonbox. Did mm-hmm. you see that? Nope. Okay. So what it is, is it's this little game that starts out with just like these little pictures that you move around and you kind of have to get them in a certain order and to move on to the next level. And it slowly but surely trans- it evolves from being simple pictures, like a picture of a little dragon or something and a a box to like looking like an equation and it sort of tricks the kid into learning algebra (laughs) and i and so i I, there was a big you know bunch of arguing on hacker on the in the comments on hacker news about you know i don't know this is gamification of math i'm not sure that's a good idea because you know you know you, you always people always worry about replacing intrinsic motivation with extrinsic motivation yeah so you hear that a lot and um even though there's been a certain amount of of pushback from the psychologist that's saying that that's not necessarily true that just because you introduce some extrinsic reward it doesn't mean it gets rid of the intrinsic um motivation whatever anyway there was just a lot of just hand-wringing and stuff on and the, the comments and people say, well, kids should understand. They need to see the beauty of mathematics and do it for its own sake. And I'm like, when the last time you talked to a 12 year old who did math for the beauty of it? <laughs> Seriously, you know, or even a 16 year old. I mean, even kids that are, are good at math and like it, they're not doing it for the beauty of it. I mean, it's kind of fun. It's good to be good at stuff. Yeah, I don't know, whatever. But I just thought some of that was silly. But so I said, all right, I'm going to, you know, it's like a $3 purchase. Yeah. For me, it's like, who cares, right? Especially with something for your kids like this. I mean, it was a $30, I would have got it. And so I said, all right, Colby, come here. <laughs> I want you to, I, and, and so I got this game and I, you know, and I, I was trying, I was starting to install it and he was grabbing the phone out of my hand before I can even install it. I'm like, Colby, hold on a second. Let me just let's make sure this thing is installed. <laughs> he wouldn't wait for me. He's like, hey, give it to me. <laughs> so he takes, I'm like, fine, just go, <laughs> you know, because I was trying to get, Sandy had taken off. She had some kind of lunch meeting or something. So I had to take, the kids to uh, with me to lunch and drop off the our youngest at, to, at preschool. So by the time I got the shoes on the girls and got out the door and we drove and dropped Ari off at preschool and, and and drove to Baja Fresh, which is one of the places we I take the kids to lunch. Colby had gone through level one, <laughs> and perfectly. It was five levels. So, five, he, so, he, so he's learning algebra. Anything he's thinking it's a game. Yeah, so he went through all oh, actually, there's five chapters of like 20 levels or 20, I don't know, 20 levels per, per chapter. And he went through. And so within a, within the, by the end of the day, he's done, he had done all five chapters. He could, it was perfect. And he was like simplifying these, these equations. And they looked like real equations. It wasn't like fake equations. And 
I don't think he he didn't completely understand. He doesn't completely understand what an equation is. So I I said, and I know some people are going to be like, oh yeah, so he's he's it's, it's like a monkey doing math, right? They don't really know what they're doing, so it's sort of stupid. But I'm not. I don't think I agree with that. I think that I can explain to Colby what a function is and have him you know, in a few simple steps and go, okay, this is a function. You have a box here and a box here. If you put this value in and it's like two times X, two times this box, then you get this, right? And go through a few steps and it's like, let's not use a box. Let's use an X like they do in Dragon Box, right? And then go through it. And then I should just draw some equation and then write some equations down. Okay, like use the same thing you did Dragon Box and try and simplify it and with numbers. And I'll bet you I can, I bet you I can get him to understand that within an hour or maybe two well, or yeah. three. Yeah, once he's 20, got the framework of the Dragon Box thing. He's got that experience and that game concept in his head. I, I think you're right. And I told him to, but I put a little extrinsic motivation. I say, hey, Colby, I'll tell you what. Because first I just told him I want to show him something that's cool. And he's like, yeah, because anytime I want to teach him something, he's kind of game for it. But he's also kind of interested. He really wanted to play Skylander, which is his uh, Wii game. <laughs> and right. I, they're cool. I said, tell you what, if, if, if I can teach you this stuff, if you can get this stuff, I'll let you buy a game, you know, like on a phone, whatever you want. I mean, you know, within like I knew it would have to involve money. All of his motivation involves money. <laughs> well, he wants stuff, and stuff costs money. You know? yeah. So, like, with hilarious. I go, I go, was it yesterday? It was, it was Saturday and, or something. I mean, it was Friday. Because the kids are home from school, and, they're not, and, and they're, we've signed them up for a bunch of different camps, which don't start, you know, which didn't start the first week. So there's a lot of kind of hanging around the house, not doing a lot, which I don't yeah. like. As most parents, you don't like your kids not doing anything, but... There's a certain amount of that just happens as a kid where you're just kind of doing nothing. Yeah. Go, All right, Colby, what have you done today other than watch TV? He's like, I've done a lot of stuff. I watch TV, I play video games, and I was on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's great. That's just great. I go, because he spends a lot of time on Amazon looking at rockets and helicopters, buying rockets. So he's been scheming about what he wants to buy because he has 12, she has $12 burning a hole in his wallet. So he bought one of these S days, I think they're called, um, like these rockets <laughs> shoot off for like $11.82. That's hilarious. It's like he has his wallet out and he's like, I'm going to buy it. I'm like, Kobe, hold up. Wait till your mom gets home because she's in charge of Amazon Prime. Just, just hold, wait till she gets home because I don't get in trouble. Cause Amazon Prime, good, huh? That's so good the way that you can just buy anything and it just gets shit for free. Yeah, we yeah, we we uh we use that. Sandy has that, so we use that all the time. So it's hilarious. Yeah, so he, you know, he's like anyone, you know, he 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 wants he wants video games, he wants helicopters, he wants rockets, he wants, you know, whatever, and it costs money. And so it's easy to just say, Hey, Colby, I'll let me get let me get you excited. I'm gonna teach you the basics of, an, of functions and equations and, and stuff. And, uh, you know, it'll cost me like $3. I'll let him buy some kind of, you know, little game or something. <laughs> but it's always been interesting to see how he works. And he called me seven. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's not, you don't, in the U.S., you generally don't learn algebra until you're in ninth grade, mm-hmm. which is 14, 15. And if you're a year ahead, so you're one of the, you know, math kids, you, get, you know, you're, you, then you do learn eighth grade. And if you're one of these super bright kids, super accelerated kids, and, these, and this is usually rare, like one or two kids in the school or something might be in taking algebra in seventh grade. You know, unless there's some kind of special school that does something else, which is like 13, you know, 13. So it's, it, it, so to get a, to see if you can actually get a seven-year-old to do it is kind of cool. Yeah. And understand it and actually see if he understands i'm not talking about it being like just you know move, you know going through the motion moving symbols around but they understand do you know what a function is okay and can you can you can you then you know ma- manipulate it and do different things with it 
which I think is cool because, and the reason I want to teach him is because I'm, I've been in the process of teaching electronics and there's certain simple equations that you need to understand. There's Ohm's law and Kirchhoff's law and stuff. And if you don't know just basic simple algebra, it's, it's harder to make the calculations to get things to work. So I kind of think if I could just get him to understand this stuff at, you know, at, at, you know, simple algebra, then, then we'd have the tools we need to do a lot of cool stuff. I think we should start a Colby for president campaign. I mean, I would vote for him right now. Well, you know, Rob's, uh, Rob's son apparently is, is uh, a lot like Colby. He just <laughs> blows circuit things. He's sort of the, you know, little, little junior engineer. And so I was talking with Sandy. I was on the bed, uh, on her bed with Colby. Colby is playing. I'm like reading, trying to prepare for the show, trying to read, cram through a bunch of stuff. Colby's playing Dragon Box and Sandy's, you know, and getting ready. And I, and I was talking to her about Rob coming over and, and Colby's like, are there kids coming? And I said, yeah. And he's like, well, how old are they? And I'm like, well, they're about your age, a little, maybe just a little younger. And I said, yeah, no. And, and Rob's son, I said, he's a lot like you. He's like a little, you know, engineer. He's really good at building circuits and electronics. And he's like, he's like, I can do it better and faster. You look at his game. He's like, I can build them better and I can build them faster. Oh, no. So he's going to be in competition with him straight away. Edited what? That's funny. So- yeah, well, so I, I hopefully when they come over, I'm, I'm, you know, we'll set them up with the uh, the circuit rover, snap rover. Just set them thing. in competition straight away. Oh, as soon I was as they like, walk through. he's younger, and you guys just go show them how to use Dragon Box. You guys build some cool stuff. I mean, we're gonna be at the park and we're gonna be swimming. So <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. The time, but I just think it was so funny. I could build them faster. I could build them better. <laughs> What's that all about? I can't imagine where he gets that kind of attitude from. I don't know. I'm not competitive at all. What's the thing was, I wrote a little, um, I wrote a little Google Plus post about this, about the fact because so after seeing Dragon Box, I'm like, you know, I wonder if there's anything like this for like electronic circuits because this would be amazing. You know, go mm-hmm. through, do basic series circuits and parallel circuits with resistors, and then adding in capacitors, RC circuits, and stuff, and you could do it like a game. You could do the same thing, and you could do the same thing with like chemistry. Was that? Nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> There's one or two things that just totally sucked. I mean, it was just like a really half. It wasn't even a half-assed effort. Which is, they just sucked. Mm. And and the ones that did, there was one chemistry one that was balancing equations. But then always, assume, it already it started out assuming that you knew how, how the basic chemical formulas. It and wasn't this, written for seven-year-olds. What was even worse? It, it assumed basic knowledge. It assumed like, okay, you've already been shown this in school. Here's additional practice. But this stuff isn't that common. You could, you could have built up to it. So Dragon Box built up, and it would, have, it would just have a little, the most minor, the, the sh- briefest explanation of what you're supposed to do, and then you would start doing stuff, and then it would take a break after you got to a certain level, and go, okay, now we're going to do this. And it would have like a, you know, five-word sentence that would explain what you're supposed to do, and a little like arrow pointing, and then you'd figure it out. So you're doing stuff as supposed to reading a bunch of crap. I guess you could just gamify everything, every kind of learning. Well, that's what I think. I mean, I think you could do it with. I think you could do it with most math. I think you could do it with physics, calculus, uh, physics, chemistry, biology. You know, all electron. You know, all this stuff could be done, and it could be gamified to the point where. And I don't just mean that in this sort of cynical gamification, like, "Hey, we're going to give you a badge and make you feel good," but just make it fun. Make yeah. their make feedback in it's like a sense of accomplishment like you got to the next level all right i mean colby one of the things he was most excited about which i didn't really expect and i didn't really i, I they, they talked about in the wired article 
they talked about how the, the guy writing the article talked about his two daughters were playing with it, and they were really excited because after you finished every level on a chapter, it would it would make it would draw this dragon. The dragon started out not looking like a dragon; it'd be look more and more like a dragon. Yeah, and these were drawn by like some fourth grade you know girl. Yeah, and so but the kids were super excited about that. And Colby's like, I want to make this dragon. I want to finish chapter. I want to see what this dragon looks like. <laughs> Like okay, like uh, this real motivator. I, 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 to me, I, I just wouldn't have occurred to me because obviously I'm not seven. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to me. It was hard. It didn't occur to me that seeing this dragon being drawn was a motivation, but it was. And, you know, it was having little sound effects and seeing things kind of animate. You'd, you'd, you'd finish manipulating the equation and it would kind of like finish it off and it would show like this box, which was, you know, supposed to be like what you're solving for. And it would like munch up the other little things. It's this cute little touches that made it fun. And it's, well, has, there, has there been any more progress uh, or is it just thought about your, your learning project? Yeah, well, I've been thinking about that a lot. I mean, the, the idea of the sort of the math and science the academy. Yeah. So I've been collecting lots of links and lots of ideas. I have a big uh, kind of a, you know, well, actually what I've been doing is I've been, I, I, my new way of, of keeping, of sort of organizing information is using drafts in Gmail hmm. because yeah. you, it's rich text and it's all there. And so I, I just write a draft and I'll, the subject will be sort of the title of it. And um, then I go through and I have all my links and all my ideas, the kind of big outline of ideas and uh, things that I'm going to write. Because I told you I want to write like a sort of introductory post about my yeah. my. Th- and I've been getting a lot of feedback. Listeners have emailed me, uh, been commenting on the blog. I've been getting comments on, because uh, um, even things that I'm not necessarily even though I'm not talking about specifically on Google Plus, people are bringing it up and commenting on it. And they're saying, by the way, I love this idea and here's what I've been thinking. Or you should also check this out. I thing. really like the level of passion that it brings up in you. And to me, that is the kind of thing that people should be, you know, spending their, most of their time on. Something that they're really passionate about. Yeah, I, so I'm really excited. I, I am very excited about it as a, as a, it's a, but it's a big, big effort. So I kind of have to kind of build up to it and, and, and figure out how the best way is and to kind of, uh, kind of with kind of leg into it. Like, how how do you start small and you grow into it? Like, how do you bootstrap it? I guess yeah. like you don't just you know start huge. You have to kind of but have a plan and start up small so things can grow and and you have kind of start these positive feedback loops. And one of the things I was thinking was, you know, you know, we talk about the importance of projects. So and and and, every, and most people get this. Like the, the way you get kids excited about stuff is doing projects. So like you do like the Mindstorm, you know, Lego robots or something. You know, kids yeah. love that. I mean, you know, adults, we love that stuff. We like projects. They'll saying is like, find a happy person and you'll find a project. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, you, 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 kids are no different. And, and nobody likes sitting there in a seat listening to someone drone on for an hour. It's boring. It's boring if you're 50. It's boring if you're 30. And it's boring if you're 10. It just sucks. And that's the way most learning happens or most instruction happens. So I was thinking that you could try and all these little things that you're going to teach. So if you say, okay, well, we're in this math and science engineering academy we're going to teach everything from astrophysics to chemistry to electronics to math or whatever but you try and create games for all those things and you actually have the kids continue to evolve and make the games yeah right so it's like rather than just learning it it's like okay well, we're going to create you know a uh, a basic chemistry game and in part of the project is learning how to create like an iphone game or an html5 game and using some basic frameworks and say okay well we've learned some basics about like balancing equations let's come up with a cool game and the kids would love that and of course they'd master the chemistry by just trying to come up with the game and then you'd have other kids okay let's go on let's add additional levels or additional chapter stuff you could have a whole so you have like Everything's online in addition. So we, first of all, we create like an online 
a website for the academy or whatever mm-hmm. and have their own pages but then we also have ongoing projects that kids are participating in so there's the chemistry game and there could be five different chemistry games they get you know more complex or whatever or they do different things and the kids can participate in like adding new features and building them up and stuff yeah so it's a lot like the dragon box but kind of in, in the real world yeah, because you remember I was talking about this, uh, about creating maybe a Facebook game or something with like electronics, you know, remember it was a circuit kind of, yeah. complete, remember that yeah. kind of idea? I'm yeah. starting to think that those work better, not on Facebook, as a, as, but on mobile. mobile yeah, oh, definitely. Because one, people will pay for it, and three, and one people <laughs> One and three, go on, your maths needs a bit of brushing up. Great to three. <laughs> but, you know, kids... There's a lot of downtime. There's a lot of transition time with kids just in life, right? You're waiting in line. You're in the car. You're waiting for the other kids to get ready. There's just a ton of just hurry up and wait going on. And you say, here, hey, take the phone, play the game. You know, let's give them something to do rather than just sitting there being irritated, bugging their sister or complaining about something, you know? It's like – and so that's what we do. Sandy and I do, and I've seen a lot of parents do that. Like when we go and get to a restaurant – so we go – Indian food is one of the – one of our places we like to go because the kids actually liked, like Indian food, surprising, yeah. considering how picky they are. So we eat Indian food. But if we don't have anything to entertain them, it's really not very enjoyable for us because they're messing with the, the, the silverware. They're going under the table. They're just, it's just kind of, it's annoying. And you're just, at the end of it, you're just, let's pay the check, just get out of here. But now, Sandy will hand, you know, she has her Android phone. Android, I have my iPhone. I have my old iTouch. And I'm like, here, here, here. Give them to the kids. And they're... <laughs> <laughs> it's great. So while we're ordering food, wait for the food before the food arrives. They're completely absorbed. They're completely well behaved. It's great. So, and, but swap that for learning. Well, you could say because sometimes, like it's like with Colby. I'm like, hey, Colby, let's try and get through level five on this thing, and then and then let's do another chapter of that because he he had fun doing it with me. We would put together, and I would kind of give. I was kind of color commentary, and I would try and be kind of funny, like, ah, oh, let's get rid of that guy. That guy's totally annoying me, and he was just cracking up, you know, he just laughing his head off about me, kind of. Um, talking about the symbols and making fun of them about getting rid of, let's get rid of that guy or whatever. For some reason, he thought that was hilarious. Mm-hmm. We'd do it together. But yeah, a lot of times I'd be like, you know, he'd be playing drag, I have this thing called some Mega Run or something, and, he'd, and, and then he'd play some Mega Run, and he'd be like, oh, and then he'd go back to Dragon Box. So he'd just jump back and forth. Mm-hmm. But if it's fun enough, it's a game. It's like, you know, it's not like you have to say, hey, you need to do some more of this. You make it fun so they want to do it anyway. Yeah. So I was thinking a lot about that, and I just think that there's a huge market there's even there's a big market for this kind of stuff because they're just I, when I looked on there was just nothing that was any good everything sucked or wasn't available and um, parents will pay a ton of money for this stuff you know three bucks five bucks ten bucks I mean those are like reflex purchases for a parent when it comes to education sure mm-hmm. fine done I mean we've sent Colby up to two or three camps one like he's doing a camp starting tomorrow which is engineering fundamentals with Legos yeah. <laughs> And I don't know, it costs two or 300 bucks. I mean, like, you know, and there's another one and I'm like, well, you know, I don't even think twice about it. I'm like, let's sign them up, sign them up. Mm-hmm. It's really good stuff. So buying a $3 app or $5 app, I mean, it's just, I don't even have to even review it. I'm like, ah, buy it. Buy it, just see what happens. So, I mean, consider if it just teaches them anything. If it teaches them anything, it's worth, you know, 10 or 20 bucks, much less a bunch of stuff, you know? So, um, anyway, and along those lines, I've, been, I've decided I'm, I'm starting to get back on Google Plus again. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you, but you're one of the few. <laughs> actually, it's been growing. It's actually been growing quite a bit. Okay. Um, 
there's been a lot there's been more uh there's been there's i saw some came out that's actually growing um so i don't the, the people who said it was going to die i think people i think people like you who have already vested in another platform and are like i don't want to have to move over to anything else it's just a pain are sort of calling for its death because you really want it to die right yeah. you don't want to have to do it you just got you got twitter you're vested in it. You got your followers. You do it. Like last thing you want is have to deal with yet another. Well, play. actually, I would. I'd just like them to open up an API so that I can plug it into Plugio, so that Plugio I can read Facebook, Twitter, and Google Plus in Plugio. That's okay. What I want to do. But I think there's a lot of people who just they've they've just they've just invested a lot of time and energy into building up their Twitter following, and they can't yeah. that that follow that there's you know five or ten thousand followers over to Google Plus, and then I think people. You know, a certain number of people like to just say, "Hey, I want to write a 140 character, you know, quip, and then I'm done. Like, I don't want to have to like write something long. Feel like I have to write something more because it's just more work." Yeah. Um, I think Google Plus has found its niche, and I think it's, uh, I think it's interesting. So, anyway, I've decided to use it more as like a, um, kind of like an idea placeholder, like an idea log. Yeah. But even so- even just a brainstorm with people, because you often get responses from people, so. That's right. And it's, it's like an instant feedback system. So you throw stuff out there and you're like, oh, I just, you know, rather than just say, hey, check out this link, a lot of, sometimes I'll do stuff like that. But a lot of times I'll just say, I, like I, I say, I wish, just like I was talking about the video, the, the iPad, or I mean, the iPhone Android games, it's like, I wish there were more of these educational games. And I wrote a few sentences about it. And then I get a whole discussion about it, mm-hmm. pointing to stuff. And uh, so, you know, like this idea that, you know, I kind of been, is germinating this idea is germinating about this math and science academy it's like i think what i'm gonna do is write it in in steps the pieces of it and just write them as like you know single paragraph pieces and then put them as like drafts and they'll go out a single post and they get feedback on it and then then i can pull it all together as a final draft and put it on hacker news or something that is a good idea yeah it's just a way it's kind of like you've heard of those people who say that they're gonna blog a novel have you heard of those yeah things? and they, they they blog it one well they, they usually blog i guess like a page at a time kind of thing Something like that. Yeah, simple pages or a page at a time. And it was a way, like, it's like a way for a lot of people to kind of all do it together. It's like we're all starting, you know, blog your novel type of thing starting tomorrow, and it's going to be like a two month thing or three month thing or whatever. But I mean, that also works especially well for things like cookbooks or, you know, diet books or things like that. What do you think? Why is that? What do you mean? Well, because cookbooks, you, you blog a recipe at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it, it then you make a book out of it. Yeah, you don't have to keep going back to previous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a great. It's just sort of yeah. So I don't know. I, I so I I've just realized this is, it's worth a little bit of time. I, I I kind of fell out of it because I was I was feeling too much. I was putting too much pressure on myself to write stuff like everything had to be really good and really interesting or whatever. Now I'm like ah whatever. It's <laughs> just it just has to be half an idea. You know, throw it up there. Mm. It's not bad. Um, yeah, I got some other stuff, but what, what else? You got anything? Well, I want to bring up a couple of things. Um, just very quick ones. Did you, have you ever used Docracy.com? No. It's kind of cool. Um, basically, it is open, open source legal documents. Docracy.com, D-O-C. I'll just bring you the link, actually. Okay. Uh, D-O-C-R-A-C-Y.com. And... Um, Actually, I'm going to ping you a specific link, which is uh, Oric LLP's documents, okay. um, which is actually kind of cool. We'll have this in the show notes. But basically, this is um, startup, startup documents. 
Hmm. Employment agreement, consulting agreement, employee offer letter, initial organizational resolutions of board of directors, common stock certificate, stockholder approval of indemnification agreement, all the, just, just the, the stuff that you need when you're starting up a startup. Right, right. I always thought it was kind of interesting. Is there anything we could use? Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. I don't know the specifics, but there's definitely stuff that we could think of using for some of our stuff in the future, yeah. Mm. Okay, cool. Yeah. <coughs> um, I had another little one, which is uh, how, how we reduced our cancellation rate by 87.5%. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this was just a, a very nice article, um, Kareem Mayan's blog. Basically, I know. Kareem Mayan. Oh, Kareem Mayan. You, you you know him, right? Yeah, we um we uh, co-hosted the first uh, Bar Camp LA together. Oh, really? Yeah, with uh, Ian. Oh God, I can't remember his name. Ian. Uh, I'm I'm blanking on it, but there's three three of us, and um, and, oh, and Sean Bonner from Boing Boing. Yeah. Um, the, the Sean, Sean jumped in a little bit on the, he did a little bit of the media stuff, but yeah, we, we co we co-hosted the first bar camp LA back like in 2005. Yeah. Well, so, so they, he has a subscription app, um, called social WOD that basically deals with workout tracking for gym members. So he, he sells this app to gym to gyms and then they offer it to their gym members to use. And, um, they had, a pr- they, they, they were, getting a lot of people to sign up, but they just had a very high cancellation rate. So they basically um, were able to reduce the cancellation rate by 87% by doing detailed analysis of the difference between the people who didn't cancel and the people who did. And it's just, it's just, a, it's too much detail to get into right now um, about why that, that specific data set changed their, their life, but it's just a really interesting read. Right. Cool. Yeah. Really interesting. By the way, I just looked it up. Um, uh, Ian Rogers, Ian, actually, I'm on his name. He's the CEO of Top Spin Media. Um, okay. he's like a, he's kind of a music guy. Um, yeah, so I can't believe I forgot, I forgot his last name. But all right, well, we'll we'll put that one in the show note. I mean, to to, to um, I guess to try and sum up what what his finding was in his specific case was the people who lasted longer basically paid half as much and had twice as much engagement from gym members. <laughs> which is sort of like, <laughs> it's funny, like, you know, you do this big deep dive of, of uh, statistical analysis and it's like, duh. <laughs> right. but, but yeah, you know, you think, if you think about it, that, that makes sense. People who are paying less are less likely to cancel and people who who's, are getting more use from the product are obviously going to less likely to cancel. But it, what, what it did was it gave them drivers to kind of go into gyms and hand out cards and get people using it more and all sorts of different reasons all sorts of different things that they did to make that, to reverse those trends. Right. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that a lot of the statistics, a lot of these testing and stuff, I think will back up common sense. Right. But the thing is, is that when you use common sense, sometimes it's hard to convince other people. Well, obviously this is true. Obviously that is true because they may not have the same kind of common sense you do, or they may just not believe it as much. If you say, okay, we have this number, we did this test then it's sort of it's a certain amount of uh, proof, and, yeah. And it probably also reinforces your own conviction that you should be making a decision um, based based on it, right? I mean, if I, you know, because a lot a lot of a lot of discussion we've had about any food is based on just sort of what we think is are common sense things to do, 
And so it becomes sort of a debate about what is what makes sense. It's not like we have any real data on it. And so it can turn into a debate, um, which can be sometimes can be hard to resolve. But if you have a statistical result, then you know you can say, okay, well, we did this. I think just I think the study's valid. So at least we haven't we have we have some information. We have something that we can we have something hard that we can make a decision based on. Mm-hmm. So cool. So um, can I change the subject, or do you want to go, go for it? Did you see there was a 14-year-old kid that was hit by a space meteorite? What? <laughs> this 14-year-old hit by a 30,000-mile-per-hour space meteorite. What? Did he survive? Yeah. yeah. Well, it turned out it just grazed his hand, luckily. But then it made, like, this huge, like, hole in the ground because it was going so fast, right? Like a, you know, size of a, he says, like, size of a shoebox. But the thing was, like, small. I mean, I think the thing, the meteorite was, like, maybe the size of, like, a marble or something. Um, but, wow. Uh, on the right, he, he said he was on his way to school and he saw this ball of light heading straight towards him from the sky. <laughs> this red hot pea sized piece of rock then hit his hand before bouncing off and causing a foot wide crater, foot wide crater in the, in the ground. So it just grazed him. Just grazed him, yeah. Oh it's, my God. 30,000 30, miles an hour. That's incredible. Yeah, like, that's, like, that's so hard to believe. Something out of a movie, yeah. Imagine <laughs> that thing. Like that thing was traveling for millions of miles. He says, the noise that came after the flash of light was so loud that my ears were ringing for hours afterwards. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. I mean, but, you know, you, you, they say you never get struck by lightning twice, right? <laughs> yeah. He says, when it hit me, it knocked me flying and then was still going fast enough to bury, bury itself into the road. Isn't that crazy? But is that going the speed of a bullet, that thing? 30,000 miles per hour? I think it's faster, uh, a lot faster than a bullet. I don't I mean, know. How, how would he even see it? I mean, if, if it's going that fast. How fast does a bullet travel? First, the Google will know. Let's see. Google answers. Let's see if there's an answer in Google answers. Um, average speed for a 9mm handgun round is about a, uh, 1,100 feet per second. Some large caliber rifle rounds travel at 820 speed. miles an hour. Yeah. That's nothing. Speeds up to four thousand feet per second. High caliber. So, so how, I don't even know how he could have seen that thing. But anyway, that 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 will be my questioning about that. That's really. So, um, yeah, it was like last night we were talking about how did this come up? So, Sandy, we're talking about galaxies. <laughs> came up, and I said, I said something about you could see the galaxies. Like, can you see galaxies in the sky? You know, oh, I guess it was. There was some. There was one of these advertisements for these like learning astronomy things. Yeah, and you know, people get stargazing, and I just, just never get into it because I, I just just like oh, like go up and you just look at some points in the sky. For some reason, that just never really done it for me. I think I think astrophysics and that kind of stuff is cool, but just stargazing itself didn't never interested me. And and I, and I said something about oh, this, you know, like how do you know? It's just these constellations. Is that a star? Or is that a galaxy? Or whatever. And she's like, well. How do you, how do we even know what, uh, I mean, she said, can you even see galaxies? And I said, well, let me go ask the Googs. So I went on, you know, Wikipedia and it turns out that you can see the Andromeda, I think, and the large and small, I think, Magellanic clouds are galaxies that you can actually see. They actually look like stars. Yeah. See this. There was something that was interesting. I said, the because we've talked about uh, how many stars there are. We mentioned that before. <clears throat> and I think it says something like they're one of these, what they call giant galaxies. So our, our galaxy is not, I think, necessarily impressive. There's roughly about 500 billion stars estimated. Oh, it says 
He goes, many dwarf galaxies may exhibit... Oh, that's a dwarf. It says, the Milky Way has at least a dozen such satellites with an estimated... Oh, no, no, I'm reading the wrong thing here. But if I can get this right, they, they said that some of these giant galaxies had either was 100 or 500 trillion stars. Yeah. Single galaxy. I mean, yeah. that is... Ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, uh, trillions, hundreds of trillions of stars in a single galaxy, and they're like, and there's something like a hundred billion galaxies. Yeah, I don't know. Just- did, did did you read the thing about um, a guy uh, Nikodem Poplowski, <laughs> a theor- theoretical physicist at Indiana University, uh, wrote a guest column for phys.org, uh, basically arguing that each black hole within each black hole lies an entire universe. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I, um, I, I, he was on uh, a show I was watching last night called Into the Wormhole, which is like a, ser- a science series um, yeah. at the Science Channel. I think this is the Science of Discovery Channel. And they have um, Morgan Freeman, you know, the actor. He, he's, the, he's sort of the host. All right. And it's, it's a fantastic show called Into the, through, the, through the Wormhole. I highly recommend you probably get back episodes on, on the web or something. And uh, they were... And they'll have like four or five different segments with different scientists, and they had him like talking about it after. A, it's a different after, theory to the Big Bang theory, right? Isn't yeah, it? it was kind of interesting. If his was, if his is a segment that I'm remembering, that I'm it it was like at the bottom of a black hole gives birth to another universe, right? That's, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is it. It's, it's I think it's called the theory of inflation, a super fast a super fast expansion of space proposed in recent decades. Yeah, I don't know. There were so many crazy ideas presented in this one show by these different physicists. I was just they were just sort of mind blowing all this these things that might be possible. But that still doesn't answer what started it. Like at least with the Big Bang, you, you've you know there, there's this impossible beginning moment. But if if every universe comes from a new black hole that's created or whatever, then where does every, where does everything start? Yeah. So, well, the, the one one guy, one of the physicists in an, in a, in an earlier segment of that same show was talking about how it wasn't a big bang. It was a bounce. Like it just kept expanding and contracting. So it contracts down to a point and then it expands and then it contracts and expands. So it's just this back and forth. Right. I guess it's always existed. I, I don't know. I, 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 who knows? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I found a trillion. So it, it said that, um, Oh, wait a minute. I just lost it again. Okay, it says, examples of galaxies range from dwarfs with as, a few, uh, which, with as few as 10 million stars to giants with 100 trillion stars. That's <sighs> just incredible. Yeah. So um, I got a couple of things. I know we're going to run out of time, so I want to shoot one couple quick things. One was, um, it was called, uh, What You Know Matters More Than What You Do. And this guy named Cal Newport, he has this blog called Study Hacks. Yeah, and he was a P- when he was writing this, he was a PhD candidate at MIT in computer science, and now I think he's a, he's like an assistant professor at Georgetown. And um, this is pretty interesting. He said that they, I guess there was this one um, PhD candidate that, um, or maybe he was a teaching assistant or, 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 or um, assistant professor, and they were all talking about how this one guy was so much more productive than the rest of them, and they were trying to figure out like how the hell is this guy? Why? How is this guy able to publish all these? significant results mm-hmm. so many so much more significant papers so many more significant papers than we're able to do and they were what they came down to is that he 
masters it. He he'll go and master some new technique that seems promising. So some new trick. So you know, but he'll really master, really dig into detail. Something that's usually really hard to learn. And then what he'll do is he'll um he says he'll use this new technique this, and, and he'll he'll seek out problems that were once hard but can yield to that trick. <laughs> Isn't that kind of interesting? Yeah, that is cool. So it's kind of like, and what you could do in sort of like our sort of software entrepreneur world is, you know, you, you look at some of these technologies that are come out like every, you know, few months or some big new thing and go out and learn it quickly. You know, I love to talk about write tutorials about it, make yourself a name on it if you want, but then use it and look at some of the problems that people are trying to solve and then go and solve it. I mean, there's always a weakness to that. People say it's like a technology. It's a, pro- it's a solution looking for a problem. Mm. But, um, that's an interesting thing because when you have a new tool, sometimes it just opens up a new world of possibilities. Yeah, but you could also translate that, for example, into learning short uh, keyboard shortcuts, for example, right? If, mm-hmm. if you learn sh- keyboard shortcuts for a new app application, you can get way more work done because it's just much faster to work with keyboard shortcuts. Yeah, and um, I, I know I sometimes fall in like, a bad habit of not trying to learn new technologies i just say i just you know this is i know this i'll just write it in this because it's i need to get some up you know i don't want to screw around but it's a you don't want to fall too much on that side i mean you don't want to like spend all your time learning and not producing and you want to spend all your time producing and not learning you know it's sort of sort of that exploit explore um ratio it's like 80 you know i think the the, the good rule of thumb is spend 80 percent of your time exploiting and 20 percent exploring so 80 percent exploiting what you know 20 percent exploring new new techniques um, well, well, I hate to say it, but let's say, for example, we had switched over to Ruby, I don't know, five years ago. Would we be any different in, the, in our level of work output versus the fact that we use PHP? I, d- well, I doubt it. I, you know, it's like, well, the fact that I was able to learn Node.js quickly was what made you know, Uber, Uber work out so well for me. That's I, true. Could you have done that in PHP? No, no. Not very well. No, I wouldn't have scaled to that. I would have to use some other technology, but... But you couldn't have done it in Ruby. So basically, it, it, it is that the technology fits the problem very much, in yeah. the, especially in that case. Yeah, I mean, this is a case where, you know, by learning that new technology, a whole new, like, opportunity and opened up for me, and, uh, and uh, it's something that worked out very well. I mean, I think... And that's one of the things that happens with, with older people in general, not just older technologists or older scientists, is they don't learn anything new. You keep trying to use your same old tricks. And, and, the, and that sort of like that ground has been sort of over, um, you know, it's like that you keep like planting in the same earth. It's just like every, everybody's, it's like it, it loses nutrients. You got to go and find new ground. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the same thing with technologies sometimes or new techniques. And I, and you know, you, it's easy to become grouchy and grumpy as you get older. Oh, there's all these new, stu- this new stuff that come out that we, that's been around forever. This is stupid, or you know. But really, you have to try not to get too cynical, and you kind of need to be willing to learn new tricks and new techniques and new technologies if you want to stay on the cutting edge because it keeps things fresh and you can solve things that you might not be able to solve before. Well, there is a little bit of a middle ground there. But for I'll give an example like Nginx. So moving Plugio onto Nginx has massively scaled it. But it, there's not really that much new involved. It's just the new server. It's not, so it's not learning a whole new program. It's not learning Node.js, but it's still getting exponentially more scale. Yeah. And, you know, what, what I think happens is like, you can always make an argument of how you can build something new with old techniques, old technologies. I mean, there's almost nothing that I've, I've done that I couldn't have probably built using C++ yeah. if I had. Right, I could have built. We could have built any phone in C plus plus. I yeah, could have built, yeah. you know, Uber stuff. But 
you know, the fact it would have just probably been a more painful. It would take more time. And that was the first language I knew. That's what I used back in the in the nineties was C. So um but I think what happens is that when you learn some new technology, new ideas pop in your head. It's like, you know what we could do because things that seem, yeah, easy, yeah. That seem painful, like, oh, that actually, like just they said, it's things that were used to be difficult now yield easily. So what yeah. would have been difficult to do with this Uber real-time dispatching system would have been really difficult to do with C++ or uh, PHP on the other side. Now, no, Jess just made it kind of easy. Well, I, I remember trying to send an email in C. CGI programming, then trying to send an email, and that was very difficult. Then sending it in Perl, that was like less difficult, but still pretty difficult. And then sending it in PHP, and it's just one function. So yeah, I know exactly the kind of thing you mean. So then you then you, then you're kind of more open to different types of problems. You're like, oh, okay, all this stuff now that I might do. So I thought it was really an interesting way of thinking things, and, and, and a good thing to keep in mind. And I, I sometimes don't do as 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 much of that as I should. Um, but they, they were talking about the that this guy. Oh, sorry. I wanted to ask you just just while you're on that, one big change that you have made is the Mac. Now is the yeah. Mac. Are you kind of do you see much benefit now that you've moved over to Mac and you're like you've been using it for a year? Well, I mean, it's definitely easier for me working with Uber because they're all Macs, and 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 so everything is sort of sort of in line with what they use. If I was not using a Mac, it might be a little more painful for me. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'd have to think about it if it's, if it's, if it's, uh, if it's done anything for me, but it's, it's just open up. It's just like, now I know, I know how to use Macs and windows. So it's just a, I have another tool, I guess, but, um, more huh. thing it's learning how to use, I guess the big learning thing has been get, I still don't know it that well, but that's been, <laughs> <laughs> that's a big learning but I, I don't know that well that's kind of painful but, uh, but what yeah. about what about moving to developing from your local host rather than FTPing everything to a server every every time you save something has that made a difference yeah that made a little difference yeah I'm probably it's probably an incremental improvement not significant I'd say incremental hmm, interesting Node.js was the biggest because it was a, such a different type of a tool yeah. that it made Things just way easier. I'd say Node.js was the best thing I've learned in the last uh, couple of years, few years for sure. Um, yeah. So what they were talking about in this one article was about the called the ultra learning hypothesis, the ability to learn things very quickly. Yeah. This one guy wasn't just about going after like some learning some new trick that you really pick up a couple hours. It was like digging to something that's actually hard to learn, you know, and and actually really digging details and just and just and mastering that technique. Is not f- just familiarizing yourself with it, and and it was the ability of this one guy to just to learn stuff quickly, learn hard things quickly. And they were compared to, I guess, uh, Richard Feynman, the physicist, used to uh, talk about how he could learn a great body of knowledge very quickly. And and I told you how like I've had this a new interest in uh, synthetic biology. Yeah, reading. I've been reading a ton. It's been really trying to teach that stuff to me. Like at night, that's basically about what I've been reading. And um, it's interesting because there's so much knowledge that I don't have that I got to pick up, not just about molecular biology, but about uh, chemistry. You know, I, 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 last time I did chemistry was in 10th grade and it wasn't like AP chemistry, it was just sort of basic chemistry. Mm. And what I did learn, I pretty much forgot. And uh, biology, I mean, molecular biology, I did, took almost none of that, just like sort of in 11th grade in high school, you know. So I'm having to learn all this quickly, but I found this one, um, this one PDF, it was called a, it's like, a, I think it's called a, a primer for synthetic biology for people coming into the field. And uh, it's really dense. And they were like, you should probably just read this a couple pages at a time. <laughs> was it a recommendation in the introduction? And 
so what's really cool is I'm trying to learn all this information, but I'm, I'm, start, I'm feeling it kind of floating out of my brain. Like you, you're, you're, you're jamming it in and then it starts coming right out. And so, <laughs> you know, which is really frustrating. So I think what I'm going to start doing, I, I'm, I, at first I was just reading this stuff just out of pure curiosity, but now I'm like, okay, I want to know this stuff. I, I don't want to forget this in a month from now. I want this to be burned into my brain. So I'm going to start using the, um, the space, uh, learning space repetition stuff. I mean, hmm. sort of the, the, uh, you know, I think I, there you know, I, I've, t- I've talked about how I want to build a tool that will just email me daily stuff. And that's more just kind of stuff you read about. But when you're trying to cram in a lot of new information from sort of an academic subject like molecular biology, it's like it's, it's probably better just to use like a tool built for it, like the Super Memo Plus or whatever. So now all of a sudden I have an int- Now I'm, I'm going to really start putting that information. So it should, it should be kind of an interesting study to see how well this stuff works. Hmm. You know, because it really is frustrating to learn, to like read and learn a bunch of stuff. And then like a few days later, you just can't even really remember it. Like, But why don't you have like a, I mean, what I do when I'm trying to do something like that is have a pass through in the first place. So I'll, I'll read over it and I'll, I'll give myself permission to read it and not remember it. And I'm just like, okay, this is my quick scan through. And then I'll revisit the exact same thing and I'll go, okay, now I'm going to read it with a bit more attention. And then I'll have another go. And then I'll come back again and do it. Okay, now I'm really going to read it. Yeah, no, actually, that's interesting because that, that's actually something I wanted to write about, which is, I don't know if I, did we talk about, uh, it was something I, I, I termed resolution-based learning, which is that g- you, you want to give a... Oh, 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 hold on, something weird's happening. Okay, go, it's, uh, an ad started playing over here, it was weird. Okay. Um, the, the idea of, of resolution-based learning, did I mention that before? Uh, I don't know, I don't, don't remember, don't recall. And, the idea is like I, I I've talked about how I, t- I taught my brother calculus in like two and a half hours. Okay, blew through it, and it's because I didn't get caught up on the details. And I I started with the key concepts first. I gave him a total or a top down overview in about five minutes. Like what is calculus? Like what problems are we solving? Why why is what it, why does it even exist? And what are the important ideas? And then I started and I just kind of skipped over the 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 kind of messy details that really aren't that important and got all the the important stuff and he was solving problems and understood it. And it was like, but then what you'd want to do is after you do that, like first power session is then you go through, you start digging in a, a one, one layer of a little better high resolution in some of those parts. Okay. Let's dig a little deeper into integration, you know, or let's dig a little deeper into some of these hard, um, you know, some of these hard sub problems. But one of the problems I think that you have in, in, in the way a lot of subjects are presented is they, is they present it from a foundational perspective. It's like, well, to know this other stuff, you have to know this. And to know this, you have to know this other stuff. And to know that stuff, you have to know this other stuff. So we're going to start to really far away from the essence of it. And then we're going to build up this foundation. So it's like three or five months into it before you even start getting anything interesting. Mm. And the problem is it's really boring. You're like, I don't, why are we even doing this? Like, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't even see the point of this. Like, you take calculus and you spend like two months doing like, li- you know, limits and sequences, series and limits. And, uh, you know, you might get into like, um, you know, just real basic definition of the derivative and stuff. And people are like, I don't, I don't even know what calculus is about. <laughs> it's just like high school students. At first, they're just like, this is boring. And it kind of reminds me, I was reading a, um, an article. Did you see there was something about p- storytelling by Pixar? Uh, no, I didn't. Okay, there's, that went around, and a lot of people were excited about it. It was pretty cool. But a similar thing that I read too long ago was um, uh, it was uh, how to write stories or five ideas in writing stories in by um, who's the guy who wrote Slaughterhouse Five? I'm blanking on his name. I have no idea. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, anyway, I'm blanking on his name, but he um, one of his five it was like five or eight 
tenets of how to write a good story is that start as close to the end as possible. <laughs> you know, because you basically want this long, boring lead up to get yeah. into it. And I think that's the way with like learning some new subject. It's like, you know, get, let's get to the meat of it. Like what, you know, what, what the hell are we even doing here? So anyway, I, you know, these are some of the ideas I want to put into about this whole learning academy, learning, you know, stuff is about resolution-based learning and about, you know, really, really uh, getting to the interesting and important parts early and then reinforcing it by digging in deeper as you go along. But at least by that point, you understand why you're doing, you understand why it's yeah. important. And then, and then you're like, okay, then, then, then as a student or as someone trying to learn it, you're like, okay, well, I want to understand this better. Why, wh- what is this again? Can, wh- I don't well, the perfect example of that is, is computer learning. I mean, that, the best way to learn computer learning is to just get practical and start programming. And then at a later stage, start looking at things like pointers and memory heap and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. But if you jump into that stuff too early, people get frustrated and bored. They don't understand what the point is. It's so far, they're so far away from doing, creating anything that works or creating a result that they're just like, ah, this is, I don't, I don't want to do this. Yeah. You know? And just, and I think the teaching approach to some of the stuff just sucks. It's not that the things aren't interesting or that you, that people won't get excited about them. It's just that the way things are taught, it just ruins it. And, you know, kind of a related thing. I, um, so I had breakfast, uh, couple of days ago, I said, it was a Friday with um, my Fez who, uh, who, Fez Kayam, he's the, he was the investor in my, in Adaptix, the company that made uh, Prezo. Oh yeah. So he, he's a molecular biologist, you know, he's, he sold his company to clinical microsenses back to Motorola back during the, during the, before the bust. And so he you know, made huge sums of money and he's really successful. And he has a couple of different um, biotech companies that he owns big chunks of. And nice. one of them that yeah. And um, so we're having breakfast and uh, a couple of things that were interesting. I said, so I, I told him about my new interest in uh, synthetic biology. And I was sort of expecting him to be like, you know, because he has a PhD in molecular biology from Caltech. He was a postdoc at Caltech, right? And so he's super, he knows this stuff hardcore. And so for me to talk about how I thought this stuff was entering the realm where people who aren't professors are, aren't in industrial labs can actually maybe create stuff. And I, I was wondering whether how he's going to react to that. Or he'd be like, you know, Jason, I, that sounds like a nice idea and all, but really you're going to, you know, it would take years of study before you could ever do anything. So don't waste your time. And I, what I told him, I said, I think, I think that synthetic biology is about where the, you know, the computer industry was in like the early seventies. It's almost getting the point where you can have like, you can actually do stuff, you know, it's not quite the chaos computer club, Apple first Apple two kind of stuff, but yeah. it's before that where there are pieces are there and there's lots of things that are possible, but not quite. And, and I said, you know, I feel like you could take a smart person who is motivated enough and they could make, could actually do something in this field, just like you can take someone who doesn't know how to program and get them to the point where they could create a web app or a iPhone app without getting a master's in computer science. Yeah. You just skip all the kind of relevant stuff. Yeah, machine architecture and data structures and algorithms and programming languages and all these things are interesting topics and you can make all these arguments. Oh, Dan, I need to understand discrete mathematics. I need to understand all this stuff. But really, you don't. You just don't. It's just not relevant most of the time. In fact, most people who write these kinds of applications don't know that stuff because it's not that relevant. And sure, you can 
you know, you can put someone through an undergrad and graduate program and you teach them, you know, huge, huge body of knowledge that's related to the field because you don't kind of know, because when you're educating people and, and, and you don't necessarily know what they're going to need to know later. So you just teach them all this stuff. So what did he say? He said, yeah. He was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, kind of like, yeah, look like, yeah, that's cute. Oh, but uh, he was like, no, he's like, you know, in fact, because I said, you know, there's a lot of these companies that are popping up to provide services where you can outsource this stuff. You can order gen- genome sequences and you can do these things. And you don't have to do it all yourself. And he's like, yeah, we, he says, in fact, he's like, one of his companies is like, a, it's like a nine person lab that's funded with like five or $7 million. And they have 18 molecules that they've created that they're going to be licensing to pharma companies. And he said they outsource a huge percentage of the lab work. He's like, we don't even do much. It's, it's like you'd be surprised at how it's like there's, you know, I can't remember what he said. It was like a couple thousand square feet or something. Incredible. It wasn't even that big. It was like a small lab, not a lot of money, but they can outsource so many pieces of it that they don't even need to do most of this stuff. They don't have to have all of that expertise. It's like the power of the internet is allowing you to say, okay, I don't need to know all this stuff. I just need to know this stuff and I can outsource these pieces. Just like how there are frameworks that exist like you don't have to know everything. You can use Rails or Cake or Django or whatever and build a web app and you know and a matter of hours where, you know, ten years ago would have taken months and months. Well, that's cool. Listen, I, I have to head. <laughs> yeah, no, no, problem. no problem. So uh uh anyway, I just uh I'm kind of kind of excited about it. So we'll see how my ultra learning experiment goes. I'm gonna yeah. use the use some of those tools and I'll keep you posted. But, uh, that's awesome. All right. That's a wrap. We're out.